And now it's time for Cadaver Classics. Hello everybody, welcome to Cadaver Classics. I'm Mike and with me as always, uh, the man who manufactures all his own hype but then buys into it, the self-proclaimed pod god, Steven. What's, What's up, up, my man? man? I, I, I felt like you needed a, a, a more robust um, introduction today. I appreciate uh, that. I'm, uh, a little trumpet fanfare would probably be nice. Well, Maybe you know what? Maybe a little bit of uh, yeah, the Hallelujah Chorus or something along those lines. I think that would all have been appropriate in this I case. I think so, too. Well, you know, I I just say that, but, you know, uh, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm just really starting to think that we don't appreciate you enough, you know. Well, that's okay, because I do. Well, you know, after the last JFMP that I listened to, and by the way, I listened to it because I'm like pretty stoked that Thomas Berdinsky's, you know, and uh, you know they were going to be on it. And, and Oh, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not stoked because you. I'm saying that that's another reason why I was stoked. But, oh, I, uh, was, I was fucking stoked myself to do it because uh, fucking Berdinsky, Bromley, Beckman, three of the nicest fucking people you ever meet. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, if any of you people listening out there are at a horror convention and you see Bradensky, just walk right up to him. You can't fucking miss Sasquatch. Right. And just, <laughs> uh, j- just fucking lick him in the face or something. Wow, or, I, you know. But make sure balls, you're the first one whatever. to do it because right. after, yeah. you don't want to be like fifth or sixth, especially with the horror convention crowd. Yeah, I, it's hard to tell what you might catch. Exactly. Actually, but see, the thing is, like, whatever you might get from one of them, the cure is probably growing in the mouths of one of the other ones. Ooh, that's actually, a, that's actually maybe makes it a little bit uh, more reasonable to just go lick a dude's face. Absolutely. And if you're going to lick somebody, you might as well be Burdensky. Why not? He looks Absolutely. like he tastes delicious. He's a delicious looking man. <laughs> oh that is that is just i don't know if it's wrong or awesome Uh, a little both (laughs) maybe uh so how's it been going man it's been going well my friend that's good you oh man i say i mean i i i I wish i i wish i had more awesome stuff to to uh, report every episode of cadaver lab uh or you know classics or indies or whatever but uh, i mean all in all and uh, I know I'm going to shock some of you right now. Uh, I'm a pretty boring dude, for the most part. So believe it or not, you know. I hope I just didn't crush anybody's hopes and dreams with that uh, one. Besides with, with, mine. What? Oh, dude, dude, you knew it. The first time I laid eyes on you, and I said to you, "This is going to be the most exciting night of my life." And it was. Yeah, I'm and ever sure. since then, I've had nothing. Yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Next next uh, March, dude. <laughs> next March, the douching. Oh, now now have we have we uh, has the idea gone to all the other douches? Uh yeah. I mean, everybody knows what's going on uh-huh. now. Whether or not we're still speaking to each other in March, that, that you know, that's <laughs> always always iffy when you get a, a bunch of volatile assholes together like us. Exactly. But as as I understand it, at least four of us are going to be there. I'll be. I think. I think I might even get Sam to come with me. Oh, that would be fucking awesome! I can't yeah. wait to do him. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go bend him over the table right in front of fucking everybody. Dude, yikes! 
That's okay. Sam, Sam, I, Sam, uh, Sam, I figure is what my gay friends call a barrel fuck. Uh, I, you know what? You I bend them over I, a barrel, but you don't want a fucking relationship later. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why they call it a barrel fuck. Um, you know, you know what? That make that hurts my feelings, uh, and I think that would hurt Sam's feelings because he's somewhat of a cuddler. Oh, is he really? Oh yeah. I mean, not oh. that I would know, but, but no. So that should be that should be. I mean, I am looking forward to that. I have to admit. Oh, I'm absolutely looking for horror hounds anyway. And I'm probably going to do it, – it, I'm leaning real heavily towards Cincinnati yeah. uh, this fall. I know you can't make it. Yeah. But since that's Tim Dave's hometown, at least I'll get to fucking have a cup of coffee with Tim Dave, and that's always worth the trip to Cincinnati for me. Sure. Well, it's we, not that far from you anyway, is it? No, nah, it's like a three-hour drive tops. That's nothing. Yeah, so so it's not a big deal. I mean, even if I only cruise up for a day, mm-hmm. uh, get to hang with the fucking Reverend Jeremiah whiskey, shit, it's worth it. Plus, nice, plus all the Penny Colt guys are there, and yeah, I love oh, right. Jay's wife. So, yeah, um, I will yeah, say J- though, Jay Emmett's pretty cool too. But Jay's wife, yeah, <laughs> pop that booty, baby. T- I've only been to two. I've only been to two um, uh, horror conventions in my lifetime. And fifty percent of those, I was fifty uh, percent of those, I was filleted by a dude. Those are pretty good odds. Yeah, I'm just saying. So, and that's uh, only, and, and really, that's only because I wasn't there the first time. <laughs> Yikes! And then, yeah, of course, Spooky Bill. God love him. <laughs> wait, wait until you see the picture he sent me. I'll, I'll have to forward that to you. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome. Oh, that yeah. Those are those are yeah. I free. You know what? I I wish. I literally wish that. that I mean, because I heard you guys talking, and, and I know that Berdinsky's a big a big uh, convention guy. And I I was listening to that episode today after about dying laughing the first the first part of your episode. And by the way, I'm uh, I just want you to know that uh, you know how you're going to start doing a horror podcast. Yes. I I did one first, and so you're copying me. Uh, that's that's fair enough. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm I fully admit <laughs> that I'm coming late to the game to the whole horror podcasting thing. Well, but here's you know, really, you, you know, somebody's got to do something about the mediocrity. Well, yeah, and, yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, that's what <laughs> I'm here for. You know, what's funny is uh, is uh, Brian from Hamicus and I were talking about uh, uh, you know Hamicus. He, you know, it, okay. Here, here's the irony for Hamicus. Um, Brian is is uh, is a he's uh, very serious about his film. You know, he's a you know a real film like dude. Like not just you know, he's like a real serious film fanatic. You know, and sure, he's, I know the he, type. Well, sure, and he and he really wanted to uh, you know to keep the show classy and whatever. But, but then, they, dude invites you. me to be on it. Yeah, and exactly. I, that's... I'm like, well, that's where you went wrong, man. Yeah, that was that was never going to happen. No, no, he, it was doomed before it began. But but yeah, I can't even remember what I was talking about. Probably, uh, it was getting filleted, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was two tangents ago. But, oh, okay. But uh, but I have anyway, trouble keeping up. Oh, oh no, no, I know what I was saying. I was saying that uh, you know you may have the pretense that that you're above. You're that you're one of these film guys that that you like to get the who's, what's, where's, and why's. I heard I you say that a bunch. Of times. I have said that. As a matter yeah. of fact, I wrapped that. I know you bitch. did. <laughs> I know you did. But but your personality 
and your and your um your hunger for attention makes you want to be a horror uh podcaster i mean let's let's face it what why else would anybody be a horror podcaster oh, start it's shit a, yeah start shit <laughs> and you know this fucking pathetic need for attention exactly and i i, I have no pretenses about it but Steven, the same we t- welcome the same you in time, with open arms okay oh well i i appreciate that you know, you know what's funny is as I was talking to Brian, he was like, "I think Poland might have said the same thing to like Germany." Oh, oh, oh yikes! Oh dear. Uh, I hope <laughs> I, I hope know. there's not the I don't same. Know. I'm uh, not up on history, obviously, because uh, I I don't think they were real happy about it. I don't know. Well, plus plus if, if, uh, if they were if the, if look if they didn't want the Germans there, they wouldn't have fucking like handed over the country in twelve days or that. That's what I think. Plus, uh, plus the movie I watched uh, had a German title, so I think maybe it had, uh, um, you know, the movie about that had kind of a German slant on it. So maybe a little propaganda, but whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Dude, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to be talking about some, uh, the Karnstein trilogy yeah, today. Sp- yeah, speaking of Hamicus and Hammer and Amicus. You know, you know what the funniest thing is it, about about the uh, the Karnstein trilogy is that uh, you know obviously it's the vampire lovers lust for a vampire and the twins of evil we've actually talked about two of the three of these movies on Hamicus but I but I'm I'm gonna go ahead and guess that we're gonna come at it from a little bit different perspective here um focus on the lesbianism oh shit yeah buddy yeah yeah you um yeah we're I mean this is what these are movies that are right up our fucking alley because. <laughs> Um, we love beautiful women. Oh, um, you have right. to love them. probably more than more than beautiful men, even. Oh, ooh, ooh! So, I wish she didn't say that because now I'm going to have to go over that in my mind and, and you know fight that battle up there, uh, dude. I want to dedicate this episode to uh, Brittany Fox. You remember Brittany Fox? The, the girls' school. Yes, no? absolutely. Okay, uh, you know I'm going to put that song in right here. Okay. Sounds good.
because two of the three movies here take place at the girls' school. And yeah, I every time we were at the girls' school, that's how I, I pictured Brittany Fox going in there and and rocking out. Yeah, rocking out, walking on the desk. <laughs> exactly, turning turning even the uh, the very prudish teacher. Let making her let loose. Yeah, she letting her hair take down. The, yeah, take her hair down and do the slow motion fucking you know, head shake, <laughs> the hair exactly. flying, and then rip open that bodice. You know, I'll tell you what. I was, I was a little worried that uh, that uh, I was alone in the Britney Fox love. No, I'm no. You see, my, the thing is, I'm, I yeah, I kind of dig some of the '80s hair bands, but my mm-hmm. wife is like. Totally up their fucking asses, you know. She'll be like, "Hey, look, fucking bullet boys are going to be in like fucking Cincinnati. We got drive fucking three hours to go see them." I'm like, "Every listen, every time you say bullet boys, you have to say smooth up, (laughs) You can't just say bullet boys, okay?" But yeah, anytime one of these hair bands comes within 300 miles, my wife is like (laughs) fucking orgasmic, and it's like. Well, he's going to get me laid. I'll we'll fucking jump in the car, but otherwise, I'm not interested. You know, it's funny is here my the the company I work for sponsor an amphitheater, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and uh, the amphitheater is literally you know 15 minutes from my house. You know, I could ride my bike there in, in you know half an hour, but uh, so all the hair bands go there to play, and they have been really working. And so I can get I get free tickets to some of them. Oh, I freaking oh, nice. love it, dude. Come on. Now, see, Lisa said there was uh-huh. absolutely no reason because my company had an opening mm-hmm. in Salt Lake. <laughs> and I was like, I think I'm going to apply for that. And dude. Lisa was like, we're not fucking moving to Salt Lake. Had she known that, dude, we could be recording fucking. Like, we could be at my house right life. now while she's over at the Rat and Cinderella concert. Oh, God, don't start with Cinderella. <laughs> Gypsy Road! Why did they, what, they all sounded the same, apparently. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, you know, I hate to admit, I'm with your wife. I love those bands, man. No, they're they're fun. I hated them. I hated them when I was in high school. Well, I, well back in, well, you're, yeah, you're a little bit older, it, because when I was in high school, they were so uncool to like. You had to be depressed and all grungy when I was in high school. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I was think, all bummed. I'm trying to think. I think Poison's first album came out when I was a junior in high school. Oh, really, dude? Now, what about the quintessential '80s album, Appetite for Destruction? Appetite for Destruction came out my senior year, dude. And that, now, that was actually what I got for my uh, 17th birthday. I got dude, a copy of Appetite for Destruction on fucking vinyl. Tell me that that is it was the, the most amazing it was the most amazing thing that ever happened to me I believe that year except <laughs> that for year. that blowjob I got from Oh nice. Oh right, okay. cut that name out. <laughs> uh, who? What? Okay. <laughs> Cuz she's listening. Uh, right now I, her her I, mom's I, listening. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard from her in fucking years. It doesn't Shit. matter. You got what you wanted. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I wonder but still, you know, every now and then you wonder what they're doing. Well, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, takes take me back. Pretend <laughs> like I'm still young. Live in my memories for a few moments. Dude, that's like a that's like a Kansas song or something. Oh. Dust in the wind, <laughs> all we are is dust in. 
That's beautiful. That doesn't it's sound been, anything oh, like or it. Or Boston. Yeah. It's been such a long time. <laughs> it's been such a long time. I think you can just make, I can make every band sound the same because Boston didn't sound anything like Cinderella. No, uh, so I blame myself. Yeah, I blame you too. <laughs> I don't know if I can listen to Boston now. <laughs> I just shit, I I rem- ruined I re- it all for you. Shit, yeah, I remember when fucking uh, the second Boston album came out. I think it was in like junior high then. Mm-hmm. That's, and that was my friend Michael Price. He was like, brought the cassette in. He was like, dude, you like Boston? And I was like, yeah, because we were both in detention. Uh-huh. And, and that's what we did. We like, he, he like ran out to. He, now, was that the, that was that like the, the, I remember there was one album where it was just unbelievably good. Uh, was that the second one? I don't remember, but we used to just. Probably, oh, probably the, the second uh, one. Well, third, well, yeah, they only had what, four? Yeah, they only, yeah, they only, I think. They put one uh, out like once a decade or something. Well, I think the guy liked to be a contractor or something, so he just happened to be able to sing. But he's like, yeah, I'm going to go back to building houses. Actually, I don't know. I made that up. I, I think the thing what if I'm not mistaken now it's been a while since I've like yeah but my understanding was he was such a fucking perfectionist uh-huh. it just took him that long to fucking get get it out because every note had to be fucking perfect I'll tell you what it, it sounded great though that yeah. guy could that guy had some range he had some he definitely had some uh, control voice it was he was great he was a great singer man so whatever yeah. it did paid off. Yeah, fucking Boston was the shit. Yep. But yeah, Appetite for Destruction when it came out, it was it was a fucking game changer, man. I've, you aren't old enough to remember that. Fuck you, because yeah. that that's that's the day music changed for the better for a while. Dude, dude, let me tell you something about it's so it easy. Been... The song it's so easy. Oh god. I'd never heard the f bomb in in a song before in my life. You know, growing up in my very conservative, you know, maybe I heard a who. The F bomb in the Who Are You or who something. Are you? Like that. Yeah. But it's like I I didn't I didn't mention they didn't really Who the fuck are you? Yeah. It wasn't like I'll see you stand of there, you know. <laughs> so why don't you just so cool. F off You know, and then it was you know, it was just right in your face. I remember just getting like this like all of a sudden I felt this has gotta be the greatest album of all time. And you know I don't know if I disagree with that even now. Oh so no, it's, it's definitely in the top ten. It's right up there with fucking Abbey Road as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he loves bad out of hell. <laughs> yep, and, uh, and I am showing my age now. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, wow. I had, I had bad out of hell on vinyl too. Uh, you know, I was trying and to Billy come Joel's up with like a, well, I was trying to come up with like someone who's popular now, and so I could sound hip and cool. But I can't think of anybody. I can't I like uh, pop stars. No, I'm out of it. That's that. That's just like Justin Timberlake's smoothest chocolate album. Is that really the name of his album? No, I, I, well, okay. I don't know that it's not. Fair enough. Okay. I'm, I'm going to tell you though, here, speaking of Justin Timberlake, Uh-oh. now, yeah, Sexy Back, that, that song's like all about me. Oh, I haven't heard it, dude. Is really? it like, is it you, like, you haven't heard it. It's, it's like, I'm a bitter most old mono- dude. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the most monotonous songs ever, but. Oh, okay. Sweet. All right. But anyway, um, Justin Timberlake, though, is turned out to be a hell of a fucking comedic actor. Well, I saw him, you know, I've seen him on those skits like Dick in the Box, and he even showed up in the Jizz in My Pants video. I, I, I think he's pretty funny. I haven't seen him in any movies, though. Um, well, he was pretty good in Alpha Dog, which yeah, was, of course, a comedy. But um, 
and then there's a, I guess he's got a new one coming out. Was it uh friends oh, with, with the, benefits or something? Some yeah. Shit like with that. the Mila Kunis. Oh yeah. I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and me both. Yeah. Especially since black Swan. I haven't seen that yet. Oh my God. It's amazing. I have it. I need it. I just need to watch it. But, uh, but yeah. And him and God, what's her name? Does all, all the single ladies, the Saturday night live sketch where he's the, he's doing the dance. Oh, huh? Oh my no God. Idea. Look it up on YouTube. It's, uh, you know, just, 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 does, she, does he Saturday do it with Beyonce? Beyonce. That's her name. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my God. It is fucking hysterical. I is laughed. It? I laughed my nuts off, man. It was so funny. Him doing that, you know, that fucking dance from the video. Uh-huh. Him and a couple of the other guys from SNL, I, it was hysterical. But, <laughs> but yeah, Justin Timberlake has been impressing the shit out of me with his fucking his comedic timing is fucking outstanding. Oh, nice, dude. Because didn't he used to be in uh, the Backstreet Boys or something? I don't know. Ninety eight degrees. I don't know. It's all the fucking same shit. And so, and so basically, I don't listen to boy bands, my friend. He start. Well, are you kidding me? The Monkees are the ultimate boy band to me. Now the Monkees fucking kicked ass. I know. I'm a that's believer. what I'm saying. I'm a believer. You and me both. Except for Neil Diamond actually wrote that. So. Oh, yeah. I love fucking Neil Diamond, too. Dude, I tell you the time I saw Neil Diamond and Megadeth live, both in the same week, but not together. Believe it or not. Not together would have not been together. fucking yeah. amazing. Yeah. That, that would have been a great fucking show. It was a great... Yeah, you know, both shows were freaking cool. Yeah, in their in their own fucking way. Exactly. I'm sure they were. Because I've never seen that's those are two bands that I've never seen. I've never seen Neil Diamond. I oh, they're both love, great. I fucking love Neil Diamond. I've never seen Megadeth. Oh, Megadeth. I've seen Metallica like too. fucking. Yeah, I saw Metallica know. every tour from like 1986 was the first time I ta- saw Metallica. They opened yeah. for Ozzy. You know, and then I saw them every fucking tour. Even yeah. I, you know, I went to Indianapolis to see them right before uh, Injustice for All came out. Dude. And then when they started that Napster bullshit, that was it. Uh-huh. I was like, fucking, no more money from me. I've bitches. seen them. I've seen them a few times. Well, I've Napstered all their shit a bunch of times. But I've, <laughs> but I've seen them. I've, I've, I've probably seen, I've seen Metallica more than I've seen anybody. And I, I have, I hate to I've admit seen it. Them six or seven times. Yeah. Well, I've, I probably have only seen them four or five, but, but, um, but they put on a pretty good show. I mean, oh, say what you will about show. them, but they put on a good show, man. Yeah. I, mean, I got to I see, even, uh, Last them time I saw them was Ramones for... What's that? The same... I got to see them and the Ramones the same show on the oh, Ramones really? Farewell Tour. That's an interesting uh, they were doing Lollapalooza. It was, the, I think, the last oh, yeah, year yeah. of Lollapalooza. So it was the Ramones opening up for Metallica. Interesting. It's fucking amazing. I went and saw them even on the, the St. Anger Tour, which St. Anger sucked balls, but... Yeah. But, uh, you know, I went on that tour. It was at the amphitheater where I can get free tickets, so I did. Um, but... Uh, uh, Actually, no, that's not true because I didn't I didn't work for that place at the time. But whatever, details, details. But anyway, so but they it was with their new Robert Trujillo as the basis and everything. And it was still a really good show. Really? You know? and yeah, I mean, there it, it, it was you know fifty foot fire pillars and all this stuff. And they, I hate to admit it, but they still put on a really good show, even though Lars is a freaking bag of dicks. But what are you gonna do? Um, no. What am I going to do? I'm not going to fucking pay to see him anymore. Well, but that's just me. I, I'm I, not going to make just, that promise. I, I, took a, I took a stand, Mike. Oh yeah. You know the thing is, I'm getting. I, I'm a man of convictions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And is that right? One of those, and that's why I haven't seen Metallica since what '96, maybe. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that uh, 
but they haven't really been touring lately, does it? Oh, I don't know. Like, is I mean, because I definitely missed the tour. Because the rest of my friends were like, "Hey, we're going up to Pittsburgh." Oh, really? And I was like, "No, nah, no, not now." Listen, not that Lars. Bullshit. Lars offended because, me personally. Well, it's just that whole fucking attitude. They've got more money than God, and they're going fucking bitch. You know because, what? Because the they whole, re- don't the whole anymore. reason I got him into Metallica in the first place mm-hmm. was because my friend John gave me a fucking cassette tape Bootleg, yep. of you fucking Ride the Lightning. Yeah, yep. back in fucking, you know, 84, 85. First album I did was uh, was uh, Injustice for All in junior high. Man, I was hooked at that point, though. Oh, yeah. Now, see, by then, that was like the third time I saw them was right before Injustice for All came out. Yeah. Oh, oh. Wow. We're, we're reminiscing quite a bit this episode. We are. We? This is this is like a trip down memory lane. That's get, probably get to know Mike and Stephen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our and musical... their inner thoughts and how in their convictions. Yes, that's, absolutely. That's I'm, I'm a grumpy old fucking man that says "fuck you, Lars." <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I I I think it's pretty safe to say that I'll never buy another one of their albums. But then again, it's pretty safe to say that I may never buy another album in forever of anybody. Well, I think it's safe to say that Metallica is never going to put another one out worth buying. You know, I we could talk about Death Magnetic, but we'll see. We'll we'll save that for next next week's uh, installment of uh, Memory Lane. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> How about we do an installment of Ball Talk? What? Yeah. All right, it's time, bitches. Spanning the globe to bring you the latest in testicular news. It's time for Ball Talk. Now, the first one we've got tonight for you uh, does come from Johnny T. Of course. Thank you, Johnny T, for being the Ball Talk. By the way, I just want to say for all you people who think we're crude and rude and whatever, uh, it's Johnny T's encouragement, okay? So he deserves some of the blame or the credit, depending on, you know, where where you sit on the fence. Well, my way of looking at it is Mike. You know, the mainstream media is not going to fucking give you the real important news. Dude, you cannot trust the liberal media. Absolutely. And that's why we have to step in and Thank you know, you. be informative. You know what? We are fair this, and this balanced. Absolutely balanced. <laughs> <laughs> I love puns. <laughs> and this yes. is, I mean, in all honesty, you say, oh, well, you just do this because it's fucking news. You're just being fucking whatever. <laughs> you know this. This is about getting the news to the people. Exactly. This isn't. This has nothing to do with the it fact may- that I find ball talk hilarious. Okay. This is for you people. Yeah, really. We're doing public <laughs> service, and the rest. And if you don't like it, or you think it's too crude, or it's too seedy, <laughs> seedy. That's the word. Lick my fucking balls. <laughs> All right, now this one's actually not not entirely ball-related, but it's in the same neighborhood. Uh, California woman cuts off husband's penis. That's now, There's a... I, I've read a bunch of... Or seen a bunch of stuff where that's becoming an epidemic. Yeah, it, it's, it's tragic. We've got to get this under control, people. I'll tell you what it is. Before my penis becomes a victim, because I, I tend to say what's on my mind. Here, oh, and yeah, my yeah. Wife, and one of these days, my wife is going to catch me sleeping. I have a theory about all this, dude. You know how sometimes when you make eye contact with someone, like people feel like you're, you know, you're you're being um, confrontational, you know, whatever. Sure. Well, the penis never blinks. It just stares at you. Yeah, you are like 
in constant confrontational mode if exactly. your cock is hanging out all the time. And if you're seeing a if you're seeing a uh, a dick, chances and you're a lady, chances are it's 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 not only staring at you but it's pointing at you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and mine tends to be a little in, intimidating. Yeah. Well, mine's not, different. Not, it, not, it, not really in its size, but it tends, to, it tends to like <laughs> yell profanity and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, that's shocking. I never would have guessed that. that. No, it, it really <laughs> it, it it tries to pick a fight. <laughs> nice. My, my my cock's going around. Oh really? Really? Bring the clit. <laughs> yeah. I'll fucking I'll fucking tear that shit up. I'm I'm the clit master. Yeah. <laughs> But the, now we've we've heard a lot of penis chopping off stories in yes. the past, but the, this one has a very tragic twist. Are you Uh-oh. ready? Sure. Uh, a U.S. woman drugged her estranged husband, tied him to the bed, and cut off his penis. Police wow. in California say. Here's the here's the shocking part. Oh no! The woman then threw the penis into the waste disposal, and told the police it. who attended the incident in Garden Grove near Los Angeles he deserved it. Uh, so they re- did they recover it in time? Oh no, she turned on the fucking garbage disposal and shredded his penis. Oh my gosh, dude! What what are you supposed to do at that point? What can you do, my friend? Get uh, castrated? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this dude is is <sighs> fucked. Um, let's see. Dude, the guy told that's the- some soft tissue. You don't. It's it, it's fragile, guys. I'm, I actually just ordered a chastity belt, not because I want to be chased. But because I need protection. Yeah, especially especially as many women as you have running your, you as many wives as you have to piss off. Uh, and you could not believe the, the the wife jealousy. Oh, I can imagine. Because by the way, I'm, I'm by actually kind of jealous of your wives. Have you ever seen? Yeah, I, I agree. I I can see that. You know the show Sister Wives. You ever heard of it on TLC or something? I, I've heard of it. I don't watch religious programming. Oh, okay. Well, for those who don't know, it's a show about a dude. In Utah, who has like a, a bunch of wives, and I don't, I've never, I've, I've, I've only heard about it because I mean it makes the local news every once in a while. I've never watched it, but I just I found out the other day that that is literally like less than a half. They live less than a half hour from my house. It just is creepy to know that's going on that close to my house. Yeah, and especially you could, since you could have been the star. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, I forgot that um, I'm. Tr- we're trying to keep up that uh, my my the fact that I'm a polygamist. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I let everyone down. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> well, from what I hear, the ladies aren't that hot, so maybe maybe I can be a one woman man. Yeah, that's the thing. You either got to go with quality or quantity. You know what? In some departments, quality would be better, but in others, like house cleaning, cooking, all that stuff, quantity <laughs> might be better. Yeah, really. You got the whole division of labor thing going on. Should exactly. get done. You don't. You don't. All you got to you gotta do is all you got to do is fucking you know, make a list and delegate, dude. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. This is also not only the the trip down memory lane. This is uh, the triple tangent episode where every <laughs> thought we have we go down three tangents. But whatever, I'm cool with that. But uh, yeah, well, getting back on topic. Uh, yeah. Well, when you, I can't believe we got off when when the topic is ball talk. So I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, that's that's the thing, though. I mean, while we're fucking sharing, you know, let's get it all out there, Mike. <laughs> sure, it's there because it's, it's all about you know getting in touch with our listeners, exactly. letting them know that there's more to us than well, just 
big I seem to remember ball. somebody telling him that that you know talking about how much work he does for his podcast all because he loves his his uh, his listeners so much. I love my bitches, man. Yeah, they I, and I'm just rock. saying. I'm just glad. I'm just glad that you're gracing us low lifes with your presence and, and bringing a little bit of that to this episode as well. Well, yeah, that's that's what I'm here for is to bring the class. Sweet dude. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, this chick uh, cut off a guy's cock and threw it at a garbage disposal and uh, oh. turned it on and shredded the fucking thing. Oh. Uh, she was arrested on suspicion of aggravated mayhem. Now that's what, what they call aggravated mayhem. I, I love that fucking charge because mayhem is such a great word. But you cut somebody's cock off, it's like aggravated mayhem. Man. It's like, it's like that's that's like being arrested for like uh, third degree shenanigans. Dude, you know what scares me what? is not only the shenanigans thing because that would be freaking awesome. I, I don't know. I think I would be smiling in my uh, in the, my booking photo. But the problem is, is when Fight Club turned into Project Mayhem, the thought of Meatloaf with tits running around chopping dudes' peepees off, that's just, that's just that, scary. That is fucking scary. <laughs> All right, we, we gotta fucking write that script. But yeah, uh, false imprisonment because she tied his ass up. <sighs> Assault with a deadly weapon and administering a drug with intent to commit a felony. Oh my gosh. Poisoning and... The big, big topper, spousal abuse. Well, it's about time ladies started catching up in that. Yeah, in that really. Department. Yeah, because I'm, I'm all for like the suffrage and equality and shit. So yeah, women. Um, you know, well, just, the difference just is, kick is kick women just typically do ass. it. Yeah, why can't you just kick his ass? Yeah. You know, knock him around a little bit. Why the fuck you got cut his balls and his cock off or bite his fucking? You know, screwed them. In well, half. you know, the thing is, is women are usually emotional terrorists. You know, that doesn't leave marks on your skin. You, you know, I think I think they've been good at it a long time. Their tactics are just smarter than ours. Absolutely. I thought I like leave bruises and stuff. When I say ours, I mean man, <laughs> man. Is, yeah, because because I'll be my woman with the sack of oranges, so that they don't leave bruises. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or or if they do, then uh, they look delicious. The bruises. Yeah. Actually, anybody that knows my wife knows who who the fucking abuser is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. You know what? I, don't I don't tell terror. Lisa I said that. But uh, oh no! She, uh, thank God she doesn't listen to our shit. Oh, well, well, just think of it. She has to put up with you all the time, anyhow. Yeah, she she goes through enough. I, but um, we do have another story for you, and this is like probably the most disturbing one ever Uh oh really so, wow okay yeah so i i, I uh, dug this one up myself so i'm i'm actually pretty happy with myself and this is from today this is current this is Ooh. like fucking hot off the presses you ready see we are we are We're cutting edge. we are news in your face as soon right. as it happens right Ball talk. but then it takes like two weeks for me to fucking edit it and then, well, <laughs> then no, no. it's old news because people are assuming that when you say it came today that it came the day they're listening oh okay so, okay good yeah, yeah. alright um, are you ready for this you're gonna love this Mike uh oh monkey bites off baby boy's testicles <laughs> <laughs> what first of all <laughs> what, how do you get in a situation where a monkey is around a naked baby all right, are you ready for this? I, I don't know I, if I, I am. I have the answers for you. Okay. A Chinese zoo in 
Gizhou province is pretty unapologetic after an incident yesterday where a monkey broke free of its cage, started playing with visitors, then mauled an eight-month-old when his mother was changing his diaper. Oh, Um, no way! The monkey bit off the boy's right testicle and ate it. The boy will never be able to father children. Which, they've got a population problem in China, China anyway. That's a good point. So, you know, the monkey was probably doing us a favor. Yeah, we're not being very sensitive, but that but, is that is yeah. freaking... What well, are the chances of better. that happening? It's How? Getting better. Are you ready? I guess. Zoo officials agreed to pay for medical costs, but are refusing to pay any compensation to the boy's family, saying that monkey attacks are so common at the zoo, they can't afford to pay compensation for every injury. Oh, I mean, listen, what you got to lose... going... I'm, you gotta lose both balls at least. All right, you know, rise the plan that the apes is coming out pretty soon. Yep. I'm, I have to wonder if it's not happening right now in China. Wow. They monkey that attacks are strange. happening so often at the zoo that they can't afford to pay for every injury. That is unreal. It, honestly, I'm. I think this <laughs> story speaks for itself because yeah. I, I really don't know what to fucking add. That is horrifying. <laughs> Get your damn dirty balls off my right testicle, you damn dirty ape. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. Wow. Note to self, I don't care if a kid shits in the zoo, you leave it in there. <laughs> It'll actually probably that's the, re- that's the thing, repel the, the ball-biting monkey monkeys. Ha- the, the monkey was hungry for the left one a half hour later. <laughs> Because it was Chinese food. What? <laughs> oh. oh my god! Oh, that's great. But I think that is probably the most amazing story I've ever fucking read. In my that life. that's unreal. That so, is unreal. So that was, that was a great ball talk. Really? Uh, if you're going to a zoo in China, uh, wear a cup, bitches. Yes, that's good advice. That's good advice anyway. For. For uh, if you're going anywhere anymore, there's ladies that don't like you. There's b- ball biting monkeys. <laughs> ball biting monkeys. Man, there's there's an assault on balls in this country. We need to stop it. And the liberal media is trying to to stop all the stories. That's right. They never come to out. Suppress this information, but you heard it here on Cadaver Classics. Yes. Oh, that is too much, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, sweet, dude. Uh, You want to take a quick break and come back and talk to some Karnsteins? Yeah, sounds like a winner, my man. Sweet.
right, we're back. We're going to be talking, like I said today, about... <laughs> Listen, you ball-biting monkey! I was going to say something about my cold, dead hands, or cold, dead <laughs> balls, but I'm still shocked. I, you I, all to hell! You really can't say anything that's funnier than what really happened. Yeah, you, yeah nothing funnier than that headline. Well, funnier to us. <laughs> I don't know how funny it is to that kid. Pretty not <laughs> poor, so much. Pretty, that poor little dude. He's not even gonna know. You know what they should do is just tell him that uh, tell him that uh, having one ball is normal, and uh, you know if he ever notices that other dudes have two balls, you know you bust him and make him feel guilty for checking out dudes' balls. <laughs> that, that's a go. surefire plan. Yeah, and if Chinese can do anything, it's shame. That's right. That's what I'm saying. That that's got that's got to be a, a ball talk. That's got to get some kind of ball talk award. <laughs> Whatever. Best ball uh, story of the. Year. See if you can top the ball biting monkeys. <laughs> yeah, we ought to have a contest. <laughs> it will be well. We are the experts. You know, the, we are the, the ones that that go out and and find the news and share the news of balls. Anyway, let's talk. How about how about we switch gears and genders for a while and uh, talk some lesbian vampires? Yeah, I'm after talking balls for 20 minutes, definitely. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to be talking about the Karnstein, Karnstein trilogy. Uh, three movies Karnstein. Off- <laughs> Karnstein. It sounds mean, man. It does. Uh, like in but- Germans. <laughs> Anyway, so, okay, so we're going to be talking about the Vampire Lovers, the, uh, what is it, Lust for a Vampire, and the Twins of Evil. Um, all were based on characters from Sheridan Le Fanu's 1871 novel, Carmilla. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all from uh, good old Hammer, Hammer Studios in uh, England. They all came out in early 70s. Uh, I don't know, let's just start with the first one. Uh, Vampire Lovers came out in 1970, uh, directed by Roy Ward Baker, who is a kind of a a hammockus and or sorry a hammer and amicus or a hammockus staple it's fun yeah we yeah we've talked goes. about him before uh vault of horror i believe yep one we talked about and of course i mentioned that he did a night to remember which was the uh titanic story told oh, much yeah, better yeah. than uh james cameron so yeah we've talked about uh mr baker before yep absolutely uh and he he did a couple of my favorites asylum and uh, scars of dracula Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so I mean, yeah, he's uh, he's kind of a kind of a well-known figure in the run in these circles. Uh, it was written by Tudor Gates, who actually had a I don't know if that's a, a girl or a, or, a, or a boy. Tudor Gates, what do you what do you put your money on? Uh, it sounds like an architectural thing. Tudor Gates, yeah, exactly. Sounds like a uh, um, a uh, study helper for uh, architecture class. Anyway. Um, Let's see. It was starring the beautiful Ingrid Pitt. Actually, you know, most of uh, the girls in these were were hot. Ingrid Pitt, though, she is on a whole different level of oh, hotness, absolutely. in my opinion. Man, she is unbelievable. Um, I mean, you know, it's a shame because as we, you know, as we talk about the two, the other two films in the in the trilogy here, she didn't come back to to reprise her role as Marcilla or commit or Carmilla or Mircala or all three of them. But right. um, yeah, she went on to do uh, Countess Dracula, yeah, which is why she was unable to do the sequel. Oh, is that right? Because I I, I read yeah, somewhere that she didn't like the script for Lust for a Vampire. Um, I don't know. I'd heard scheduling conflict because she had be. already agreed agreed to move on. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm, I'm not I'm not a huge horror or hammer expert. I mm-hmm. mean, I know a little bit about it, but and I know a few anecdotes. But for the most part, yeah, sure. obviously well, Brian's our expert. But um, yeah, but I like boobs. Well, yeah, yeah, you and me both. And I like when they touch each other when when they make out with other boobs. What? Yeah. Wow. Oof. I like okay. biting boobs. Dude, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Twins of Evil. Anyway, um, let's see. It starred Ma- Madeline Smith as Emma Morton, Kate O'Meara uh, as of uh, – oh, no, no, no. Is that as – Kate O'Meara? That's got to be wrong. Uh, let's see. Peter Cushing as General Von Spielsdorf. Ferdy Main is the doctor, and uh, uh, actually a bunch of other kind of uh, you know of British actors from that time. I mean, in, in all three of these two, there's a guy named Harvey Hall who played smaller roles, but he was yeah. in all three of these. Yeah, he was actually the one that was in all three of them. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm not mistaken, well, I think he might be dead now, but mm-hmm. he, I mean, a lot of these people are either still working today or worked up until like the eighties, nineties, two thousands. Most of them had fairly prolific careers. Others, uh, there's a couple names though. They did a couple big things that you'll recognize mm-hmm. and then just kind of fade away. Uh, Pippa Steele, who played uh, Carmilla's first victim, she would star in the sequel in another role as the first victim. Oh, is that Which right? I thought was kind of interesting. What, she played what, two different victims. What was it? What what film was that other one? Because I I I, sw- I could have sworn that was that I had recognized the same situation in a different a little bit different setting, but I don't I couldn't I couldn't piece it together and I didn't look it up. What do you mean? Like you're saying that the the first victim? Yeah, Pippa was... Steele played Laura, who right. was the the niece of uh, Peter Cushing. Uh-huh. Uh, she, she also played the the first schoolgirl to get killed in. Uh, Lust for a Vampire. Is that right? Yeah. And I didn't even recognize her. She I didn't, changed I didn't so much in six either. months. Oh, wow. Okay. That, yeah. that, that's weird because I watched these right in a row and I didn't even make that connection. Anyways, why don't you give us a, a quick uh, plot outline? Uh, this this movie does follow the Le Fanu story very fucking closely. Uh, you have... Carmilla, who is a vampire, assuming like various identities that are all anagrams of her real name. Mm-hmm. Um, she moves in with people and uh, forms a kind of uh, female friendly relationship with the young nieces and daughters in the house and then uh, drains them of their blood and uh, has some like hot makeout scenes with them. <laughs> you know, it's funny because. Um, if you were to just, if you were to tell me just that, uh, that, uh, you know, overview real quick and, and I were to say, well, wh- how does she keep getting into these places where people don't know her? Let's just say she has the assets to do so. Absolutely. I would invite her. She, she could fucking, I would sleep in the floor at her feet. Mm-hmm. She can have my bed, you, but you yeah, know, it, it is kind of odd. Her, her carriage, like, well, first off, um. She has this aunt, this countess, who approaches Peter Cushing at the beginning of the movie at a masquerade ball or uh-huh. some kind of party. Well, I think it was, says, it was Laura's birthday party. Yeah, and says, hey, can uh, my niece stay with you? And he's like, well, of course, because he's Peter Cushing. <laughs> yes. And and sure enough, she moves in and starts this relationship with the niece mm-hmm. and uh, drains her until she's done. Yep. 
and then uh, later well, then moves on to the next victim. Uh, her carriage breaks down. Uh, shitty carriage driver, by the way, who drives right into the fucking big ass rut in the road. Right. <laughs> I mean, but it, the uh, countess says, "Hey, can you put my niece up for a while?" And this total fucking stranger looks at her and says, "Well, fuck yeah, she can come stay at my house because well, she's fucking hotter than hell." I was gonna say, well, and I think maybe that has to do with the some of the maybe the vampire allure. You know, uh, what do you call it? Glamoring to, to, to say true blood style. Maybe, maybe uh, it was a little bit of that. Yeah, the, the, these vampires do exhibit that ability to uh, control, take control of the wills of the people around mm -hmm. them, especially the lesser uh, minded people. They can kind of put that spell on them and can do a little mind control. Uh, slight differences in the vampire lore. They can go out in daylight, but they have to kind of stay in the shade. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, they can be only be killed by decapitation or a stake through the heart. Right. But for the most part, you know, it's it. They, they kind of tried to develop their own mythology with this, uh, separate from their Dracula franchise, which right. you know, of course ran from what fifty four, fifty six, somewhere around in there. And, and is probably arguably the, their most Hammer's most famous, you know, set of films. Yeah, but, absolutely. Because they had well, fucking Christopher, Christopher Lee and Peter Lee, Cushing. Peter Cushing, yeah, absolutely. And and that was the thing with this movie. That's how this movie got made. Uh, they Hammer had a deal with Warner Brothers that anytime they did a movie starring Dracula or Frankenstein, Warner Brothers had refu first refusal rights for mm -hmm. the American release. So they wanted to do a vampire movie, but they were uh, getting funding from AIP, mm -hmm. American International Pictures. That's right. So therefore, they didn't want to go to Warner. You know, they didn't want it to go to Warner Brothers after AIP put up the money. So they had to find another property to start exploiting. And uh, the next most popular uh, vampire novel out there was uh, the Carmilla. Mm -hmm. And so that's why that's how this movie got made. Was they needed a vampire property but didn't want to use Dracula. Well, and you know, even though it does have some kind of a, uh, it does have like a backstory difference where, I mean, this is taking place in Austria. Um, and uh, I mean, there's a little bit different in the, in the vampire rules and whatnot. I mean, it's, it's very similar, you know, in the, in the fact that it's still very hammer. I mean, the the costumes are freaking awesome. the The sets are great, you know. And they star they they star these legends, you know. That... Absolutely. Um, you did. You don't have as much Peter Cushing in this one. He's pretty much yep. at the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. And during this period in 1970, he uh, his wife was uh, extremely ill. Yep. And so he really didn't feel like working for one. Secondly, there was a big money crunch at Hammer at this time, and they were looking for you know some way to exploit things. I mean, they had to beg Christopher Lee to come back for Scars of Dracula, mm -hmm. Is that right? and uh, what was the other one? Taste the Blood of Dracula. Those two came out in you know seventy seventy one. Well, because Christopher and Lee was offered them, a role in this movie but turned it down, um, as as he was in. Uh, the yep. follow-up lust for a vampire yep. and we'll talk a little bit about that when we get there mm -hmm. uh because the replacement they had interesting yep but they the the thing with the money they had this money crunch and you it does kind of you can see the seams here 
Uh, some of the matte paintings, I mean, you're watching it and you're going, oh my God, that's a fucking matte painting. Um, but they, but they were moving into the seventies, the, uh, British film Institute, the, the British film censor board was kind of relaxing, mm -hmm. uh, their standards a little bit because what was happening was everybody was putting out adult movies. So they changed the rating system so that the X rating, of course, in England is different than it was in the United States. Uh -huh. The X rating meant uh, like 18 plus, even going back to the, uh, the Quatermass experiment. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, that's why they used the big X because right. it was X rated because it was for adults. Mm -hmm. um, they started relaxing the standards, made a, a fort, like a, almost like a PG 14 rating, uh, the double A and then raised the raised the standards on the X rating. But still, they had a lot of problems with the lesbianism in this movie. Well, and it's funny you say that because the, I mean, even when it came to, uh, when the Motion Picture Association of America uh, got around to actually uh, rating this, they gave it a rated R, but they gave it, and this is why everyone needs, I, I, I say this, why they rated it rated R, everybody's going to want to see this. It says, because the vampire bites inflict them, inflicted on the women's bosom yeah and that I, was their that was their that was their whole reasoning for that yeah because by this by this point you've had movies uh by now clockwork oranges come out right uh i believe midnight cowboy had already come out and gotten the x rating and it's i mean i think there's less nudity in midnight cowboy than there is in this movie mm -hmm. well but but you had boob biting <laughs> Well, that's that's and, and apparently stuff. that is I enjoyed the boob biting. Uh, it was it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> but and and what's funny? Uh, I think the guy's name is I don't remember if I'm pronouncing this right. Trevelin was the uh, at the British censor board. Okay. The same. He's the same guy we talked about when we talked about Peeping Tom, oh, who uh -huh. thought that Peeping Tom would be a great movie to educate people about mental health issues until he saw the movie and they went ape shit. He was very much against them putting the lesbianism in this. And it took hammer was like, well, we're going off the original source material as closely as possible. And it's over a hundred years old. So, you know, really we're not doing anything that bad, you know, and he it's, was like, well, you need to tone. Well, the stage based on the script, it looks like you're doing a lot of explicit stuff. Mm-hmm. But by the time they got uh, Baker got the memo, it was too fucking late. He'd already right. fucking shot his, his scenes. But fortunately, because of that change in the censorship standards, uh, it went through in uh, England pretty much untouched. You know, and the and the thing is, is, as far as the nudity goes, and when I, I mean, it's I mean, there it, there is. There is a there there is definitely nudity and there's definitely you know the the you know the the the, the sensual lesbian scenes and whatnot. But really, I mean, especially compared to uh, even a lot of stuff that was to come out, you know, in the, in in the next few years, the mid to late seventies and stuff like that. This is really not a lot of stuff. The difference, I I I, I can't imagine, and I don't know. I'm just assuming. I can't. I mean. I can't imagine, and I haven't heard of any other franchises that were, you know, based on lesbian vampires before this. And I, am I wrong? 
So, oh, you know, no. Even, there's even, a lot even, in 70s. They came out in the 70s. You have vampires, lesbos, vampires, you know, all those stuff. But Yeah, um, you had uh, Jean Roland starting in about uh, 68, 69, around in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I think he's a French director. He yeah. did a ton of fucking... Uh, his, softcore vampire movies. You say his movies kind of all blow, but I've seen a lot and I've watched them all the way through. Yeah, because um, the, the women are absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. The the he knows how to shoot that kind of softcore eroticism, uh-huh. and certainly it was nothing you know nothing really, I guess groundbreaking as far as lesbianism goes. If you look at the grindhouse features of the late sixties, oh, just yeah? about all of them have. You know these black and white shit that's that's you know showing on Forty uh, Second Street in New York. You know you've got your fucking lesbian scenes. Sure, but for mainstream even AIP, uh, yeah, you're talking about you. Know, you're starting to get into some you know kind of touchy territory. Well, and AIP wasn't necessarily a, a, a huge studio. Is that I mean right? I, they oh, were. No. I, mean, I mean, but they were. They were. They weren't the. They weren't the the grindhouse, and they weren't some of those ones. But but you know they weren't like no, they weren't Herschel Gordon Lewis, but they weren't fucking uh, Paramount either. Yeah, right. So. They were they were they were probably like on that. You know, Corman and his companies were like right there on that edge between mainstream and drive-in. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, like this was this particular movie when it was uh, shown in the United States, I believe, was teamed up with uh, some biker movie. As oh, a really? double feature, yeah, one of Corbin's biker movies. Well, I'll tell you what, the probably the tone of a of a biker movie, um, and you take out the lesbianism in this movie, you, you know, with all the proper gowns and all this stuff, and it, that 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 wouldn't make sense at all. But no, not to me. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> but 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 you do have, I mean, you have two very important assets here. First off, well, actually three. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> But you've got Roy Ward Baker, who, mm-hmm. who is an excellent director. You have Ingrid Pitt, who does. And when we get to Lust for a Vampire, you know, I'll talk about the differences. But Ingrid Pitt does this fucking thing, where she looks. I mean, she could seduce anyone, any gender, any age. Well, and there's a scene in she here. She goes from being like this kind of, like quiet uh, quiet yet subdued and mm-hmm. then she Submissive. just get the, yeah just and then this kind of look out of her eye out of the corner of her eye that just you just fucking melt and it's like whatever you want <laughs> let me guess what scene you were talking about the the one scene that to me illustrated this the, in the uh, in the best way basically what was going on is she was she was living in the second house that, that she was at and there was a nanny at the house a governess tutor and what have you um and the and the young woman was sick in her bed well she, she's walking out she's talking with the with the governess she walks away and, and just kind of flashes her that look mm-hmm. you know and, and the governess who i assume had never, you know, didn't, I mean, I, I guess I just, this is just a dumb assumption, but I assume wasn't, you know, kind of into that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but exactly. But because of how, of the, of just the look and the, you know, in the, just the, the seduction in her eyes, you know, and not, she did it once and she walked a little ways and then she waited, and then uh, Ingrid Pitt waited at her door and then, 
you know, the the governess came up and rounded the corner, and there she was, you know, and, and gave one last look before she went in the room. I was like, wow. Oh, that, yeah. that's a killer you... how do you can't you cannot resist that man absolutely and and that really i think is what's missing from the actors in the second movie well in and also the actors in the second movie and even the even the 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 carmilla that that she doesn't have a big role in in twins of evil but even that one i mean it's like yeah they're gorgeous women but they're no ingrid pitt you know they're absolutely they're, they're oh, it, it's like it's like she, I mean, she's gorgeous, and, and you know, the, there were a couple of funny parts with you know some of the dialogue. I, I thought about when Ingrid Pitt when she got all jealous because the one girl's talking about her, the dude that she loves and whatnot. But I mean, she could just turn it on and mm. captivate you in a way that, that the other the, the the other actresses just. I mean, did I don't they didn't even look like they attempted to do it. Yeah, there there are very few actresses in that I've seen in my entire life that just have that fucking look. And I mean, she was just so she's it goes beyond being beautiful to absolute just pure charisma and seductive eroticism, I don't know. Well, in the way the in, right the, in her body language and the way her. she spoke was I mean, it was just all one of a kind. And to be honest with you, th- I think that for for this movie, no, I mean not that it, otherwise it would have been bad, but this this is I love watching this movie, and it's ninety nine percent because of her. Even with Peter Cushing in the film, right? Well, like I said, Peter Cushing is only at the beginning and end, mm-hmm. and of course, when he's on screen, he fucking draws your attention. Sure, um, he's just one of the. He's absolutely. I know among horror fans, all of us. You know, all of us that are true horror fans love Peter Cushing, mm-hmm. but he's he's one of those guys that I don't think ever really gets the credit he deserves from from the mainstream mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter what you stuck him in, he fucking shines. Well, and, and it's to me there was a point in my life when the only thing I knew him as was that old dude in Star Wars, you right? know, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, well, I did. I'm, I, just, I didn't even know his name I'm or anything. I, I just knew stuff. I saw that skinny guy's face. But you know, as as you watch some of these older films, it's like you realize that that that's nothing. I mean, that he did a good job in that, but I mean, that's that's not his legacy. Yeah, the, the, that's films like this are. deathbed Peter Cushing when he was in his prime, even doing these uh, fucking you know, you know, Hammer Hammer was kind of elevated by its fucking. Uh, I guess, you know, a lot of the sets, they had a lot mm-hmm. of great directors like Terrence Fisher in there and Roy Ward Baker, but you know, it hammer was a low budget studio, mm-hmm. but Peter Cushing elevated this B movie fucking status of these movies well beyond fucking that. And you know, and what's I, funny is it's amazing how genius. you'll be reading about these hammer films and you'll, you'll be reading how such and such a movie was filmed on, you know, a set that was used by this other movie, you know, oh, and yeah, all they absolutely. did was just change it around a little bit and, you know, and, and reuse it as a whole different for a whole different story. And, you know, and sometimes even, you know, a different period. And oh yeah. It, it, it's, it's, oh. I don't know. I mean, I I can't remember. There was a book that I started reading a little while back. It was all about Hammer, and uh, and I'm learning now that Hammer did a shitload of non horror movies. Which, yeah, okay, I 
they're they're not I, I don't like those nearly as much but uh, I mean big horror fan but still I mean just just some of the ways that they that they made their low budget uh not an issue as much of an issue as it could have been yeah they they uh a lot well of course they have the advantage of being in England yep. where you could you have all these fucking gothic settings yep That's exactly <laughs> right so you know it's it's nothing to find a fucking castle apparently they've got them like on every fucking street corner I don't know <laughs> There's like one in the middle of Piccadilly Square now, I hear. Yeah, and it's not even made of Legos like the ones here. Oh, well, that's a bummer. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, so, yeah, they had that huge advantage of, you know, because history, Europe and shit, they've got all kinds of fucking history and shit just laying around. Yep. And they can just fucking go point and shoot. It's not like you've got to fucking build shit. I'll tell you what, I could uh, I could film the shit out of some Westerns out here for nothing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but uh, but yeah, we lack old Gothic castles. Which is, and believe it or not, West Virginia, I don't think we have one. Oh, what? I'm serious. You gotta be shitting me. Yeah, not a single Gothic castle laying around for us to go <laughs> shoot in. So, so yeah, they do have that advantage of going in and being able to shoot in these amazing historical locations, mm-hmm. um, and. Then you have the advantage of these Shakespearean stage actors, because what the fuck does American do Americans know about fucking Shakespeare? Sure. Not shit. So, you know, you have a little bit, of, you know, they've got a little bit more culture over there in England, especially when you're talking 50 years ago. Are you telling me that Walmart and Wiener Schnitzel is not culture? Uh, I'm afraid not, my friend. No. no that's, I'm just teasing Actually, that's high culture around here. Well, sure. The Super Walmarts. Yeah. You got a Super Walmart? Shit, we got one at fucking every interstate exit. <laughs> we, they're, they're like the fucking Gothic castles of England. <laughs> Just wait till they're all in ruins. <laughs> yes, and then we can go fucking... In a hundred years, there. we're going to be filming movies in, in Walmart's ruins. Yeah, and then... yeah. And then people will be talking about how we've made such great low-budget historical features. Exactly. Well, in the US, United States, they had the advantage of all the gothic Walmarts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah. man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different world over there. And but one of the things about Hammer is a lot of people don't realize they think Hammer like started in the mid-50s when you know, they did you know, Dracula and Frankenstein and shit uh-huh. and you know, took these Universal movies and updated the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, uh, Hammer actually goes back to the fucking 30s. Dude, and you know what else is, and this was a shock to me when I started doing Hammocus. I wish I would have read the fine print that, you know, they did a shitload of movies that weren't horror. They, I mean, they, there's action. There was there was romance. There was comedies. Every I mean, it was just a, it, you know, I think they're best well known for their horror movies. I mean, I to me they were. That was the only thing I knew them for. But I mean, they have every kind of movie there. I mean, I got a book. Uh, it's it's um, like a coffee table book. It's called uh, well, The Art of Hammer. Mm-hmm. And I was flipping through that, and basically what it does is it has all like the ads for films from hammer and it's i mean it's amazing how just just how many movies they they had and how many of them uh and just a range of genres so i mean i was a little bit bummed to find out that that the hammockus wasn't just going to be a, another horror podcast but no i got over it 
I got to bring the class down over there anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's your job. You know, I, it comes naturally to me, believe it or not. It surprises me. <laughs> Actually, I, th- I, th- I thought you prepared to the lowbrow, but no. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really some good stuff. I mean, they, they had... A, Fuck the Quartermass movies were fucking brilliant sci-fi. Mm-hmm. They've got brilliant horror. They were doing fucking pirate movies. Uh, dude, I fact, have seen. I you know what I have seen a, a, a Hammer pirate movie where uh, Christopher Lee played a pirate. It was freaking awesome. Uh, Christopher it's got Lee Peter played Cushing Rasputin, in that as the well. Mad Monk. What's that? Uh, doesn't that pirate movie with Christopher Lee have Peter Cushing in it as well? Uh, I he wasn't in the one I saw. It was it had uh, Oliver Reed in it. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh, dude. This it was a it was it was it was funny because it was a pirate movie that the only time it ever showed a pirate ship in water was from some uh, some stock footage that they threw in during the opening credits. But seeing Christopher Lee as like Rasputin and as this pirate guy, it was it, it was just awesome. And oh was, yeah, uh, he he does have range. He can do something else besides Dracula. When he played that crazy Rasputin, that is. I mean, that may not be my favorite movie that he's been in but that's one of my favorite roles that he's ever played nice but anyway so as far as uh, the vampire lovers is concerned and you know they it's funny because they did also add something whereas uh apparently the vampires uh, emerge from their graves at night and they leave uh, some kind of a shroud where if you steal the shroud they can't they can't go back to rest without it and you know so they're they're adding mythos here and there and whatnot Yeah, they're toying with the uh, the traditional Hollywood and even the traditional Hammer vampire mythos. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, this book, this movie is incredibly true to the source material, uh, pretty much by the numbers. But one of the one of the big complaints that even uh, Baker had about it was the fact that in the story we start out with the carriage you know, the carriage getting stuck in the mud and mm-hmm. then Carmela being invited into the home. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they run into the general who recounts what we see in the movie at the beginning. Right. And so Baker was kind of like, yeah, we kind of shot our load at the beginning of the movie. Whereas mm-hmm. he would have preferred to like build up the suspense as to what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then you do like a flashback and show, okay, yeah, that had happened before. Yeah, there's nothing particularly terrifying about it. Um, however, I think that, and, and I don't really uh, with a lot of these uh, these old Hammer movies. There's not, it, I don't know if it's uh, some of them build suspense better than others, but I still think it's being in that environment and, and you know, kind of. Um, you know, watching the uh, them do their parts in these in the atmosphere that they're in. You know, like there there was a the castle, the Karnstein Castle, in this. You know, was just like the quintessential horror movie. And, and that's not to say it was cliche. That's just to say it was there. It was you know, it, it really great looking, all that stuff. And that, I think that's what I most like about most of these Hammer horror movies is the fact that they put you in these environments where, you know, it's, it's just kind of fun to be in. Yeah. It's, it's a fun environment to kind of like hang out in and for an hour and a half, because (laughs) if you're, if you're watching to be fucking terrified, it's not going to fucking happen. No, I mean, they're not particularly scary. You will get, 
I mean, for the 60s, late 50s, early 60s, yeah, a lot of the blood and stuff was kind of, you know, un, unseen before on screens. Uh, you know, a lot of the Technicolor blood. Mm-hmm. That was their, you know, big claim to fame early on. Right. And, but honestly, you know, they are, tend to be slow paced. Mm-hmm. So really what, you, what you've got to watch for is the atmosphere, the you know, sumptuous location shooting and some of the freaking luscious character. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot. It's really hammer was in a lot of ways, an actor showcase. You get to see some of the best actors in the world doing what they do best. I'll tell you what, in the case of Ingrid Pitt being fucking seductive, she was absolutely irresistible. I, I just about jizzed all over my fucking screen. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is I, I am pretty bummed that she didn't come back and reprise that role. However, you know, the, in Lust for a Vampire takes place in a in a, a girl's school where, um, yeah, I don't know, she, she just, I don't know, she doesn't seem older necessarily. Well, maybe a little bit older, but I, she I, just I seems think, more but, experienced. Absolutely, but here, here's the thing with that. Could you imagine like Ingrid Pitt as one of the teachers in the girls' school? Oh, sure, that would be seducing perfect. these nubile young beauties. Um, oh, oh, that would have been there. awesome. Yeah, I'm just saying, if uh, anybody wants me to write the script for like an update, <laughs> it writes itself. It writes itself exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's sweet. So I, I don't know. What do you say? Um, I mean, I, I. I don't I don't necessarily think that we need to go really that deep into the plots and you know in the ins and outs of the plots, but um, I don't know. I'm I'm ready to move on to Lust for a Vampire. If you've got nothing else to say, uh, Ingrid Pitt is fucking hotter in hell. <sighs> you know, and it's not just and it's not just that. I mean that that is one way to put it, but that doesn't even do it justice. It's it's no. the kind of hot that like makes your gives you butterflies a little bit. You know, as you're watching her. I don't know. Am I retarded? <laughs> no, absolutely. I just remember she, watching that going. She's oh a classic beauty like Sophia Loren or something like that where you – I mean, there there are just those women out there that go beyond just the surface beauty. And, oh. and Ingrid she had, is, she had it all. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And um, your real name? What? Ingushka Petrov. That sounds who? That sounds uh, that doesn't Not really roll off. Sexy. The, that doesn't really roll off the tongue as, as well English as your pit, does it? No, not really. <laughs> oh, sweet dude! All right, well let's uh, let's get into Lust for a Vampire, which actually came out in 1971. So I mean, it's pretty quick, pretty close after the first one. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, they were wrapping this one mm-hmm. as uh, the first one was opening in America. Oh, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. This was this was actually uh, directed by Jimmy Sangster, who's actually who's known more for his writing, you know, uh, than uh, than his directing. He has, I mean, he did do some directing and whatnot, but it's basically uh, this was, I guess, uh, movie was uh, slated to have Terrence Fisher, who is you know another Hammer stalwart, oh, yeah. uh, you know direct this one but at the last minute i, I i'm not sure what happened but uh, he bowed out and terrence maybe Fisher he had a heart attack is that right no i'm just i just like saying that that was my favorite line from this movie oh yes <laughs> every time every time i wonder how he died it was 
a heart attack. <laughs> the delivery was <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, except for it wasn't as subtle as you're making it sound. No, absolutely. I'm turning it down a little bit. You know, it, it, a heart attack. <laughs> this movie was the only one out of the three that I had never seen before. And unfortunately, many people think that this is the weakest of the trilogy. I Um, agree. Well, and and I do too, but I was reading some, some uh, review, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, read all the reviews, especially when we do three related movies Mm -hmm. and, you know, just because they'll compare them to the other two a lot of times. And it, it, this I do agree that this was my least favorite out of the three. Uh, however, a lot of people were dogging on this one, and I think a lot of people felt like they could because there was a lot of things that happened to um, you know it, that that that, could, that that potentially hurt the the production. Just like we said, I mean, Terrence Fisher bowed out uh, the heart attack. Sorry, and uh, the BBFC I guess came down hard on the lesbian scenes. On this one, and then of course, people. I think I'd be bummed that Ingrid Pitt didn't didn't come back. Oh yeah, um, that, that was the big loss here. They lost Ingrid Pitt. They lost Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing, because this yeah, this is the yeah. His wife was sick, just like you were saying, and uh, you know, it's a it's just a, it's a shame because as you're watching this, it you know it, it does still have that same hammer feel to it. Uh, you know, I mean there there are scenes in a. A small village, you know. There are scenes at the girl at the girls' school. You know, <laughs> it, it was a gorgeous, you know, building. You know, with with uh, just wonderful landscape. Um, but it just seemed to be just missing a little bit, um, especially after the Vampire Lovers. I mean, since we're since we're uh, comparing all you know all of these together. Uh, but this was also written by Tudor Gates, um, you know, based on the same characters. We we do have. Uh, it's interesting because there was, I, and I can't. I, I'm not going to. I'm going to butcher her name, but her name was Yuti Stensgard, Y U T T E, who played uh, Carmilla. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny because not only I, they they let's just put it this way they were not looking for a Ingrid Pitt clone not that they could have found one you know even if they even if they looked around but I mean she was a much uh, she didn't have nearly the presence you know she she no, was a, she was gorgeous oh yeah she's know. a very beautiful woman but and we're also talking a very different Carmilla yeah um, that's... one of, one of the mythos that they set up in this mm-hmm. movie is that. Carmilla, the Karnsteins, can take on, basically, they're reincarnated into different bodies. Right, and and the and so so she she takes on this young schoolgirl body. And it's just a bummer that she didn't have the presence. That I I think that's what was the main draw for vampire lovers. Whereas you know I, I and I don't mean to ins- I don't want to insult her performance or anything like that. Well, I'm sure but she's she listening. is not what stole the show for me. No, she, she and th- this movie is highly flawed. Um, a, a lot of it, like the dream sequences, dream sequences are straight out of like mid '60s Roger Corman movies. Sure. Um, you have like, for, like for instance, one of the things I kept laughing at was like our hero uh, was Lestrange. Uh-huh. You know, Played he has Michael com- Johnson. Michael Johnson, he play he uh, has this uh, conversation with the innkeeper about you know how he doesn't believe in vampires and superstition and the va- and the innkeeper who also was in the first movie by the way mm-hmm. was no, in really. two of the three. 
um, is telling him, you know, yeah, his daughter. Oh, that reminds me. I need to go back to the first one for a second. Okay. There's that one scene in the first movie where the the innkeeper's daughter or the woodcutter's daughter. That's yep. what he plays the woodcutter in the first movie, the innkeeper in the second. Oh, okay. Okay. But the woodcutter's daughter is one of Carmilla's victims. Uh-huh. All right. So Carmilla sneaks into her little cottage in the middle of the night. The girl wakes up and suddenly startled because something w- woke her up. And then she's like, oh, it's just a lesbian. Yeah. And yeah. so she relaxes and, just, and just like gets all into smiles, it. Smiles, yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, okay, you know, lesbians break into my house all the time. Well, you <laughs> realize that um, if, you know, if you, get, if you get within house. 10 feet of a lesbian, you're going to get that uh, virus. And uh, and uh, it, it just it incubates real quick. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. So You know, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, if, if it was Ingrid Pitt, I'd turn into a lesbian. I would turn into whatever the fuck she wanted me to. Nope. I would turn into a ball biting monkey. Yeah, I hope that I hope that nobody took that whole virus thing as a negative thing, uh, because, like I said, it. We, well, we love lesbians. Let's just love get it out there. We love them, especially ones that look like Ingrid Pitt. Whoop! That yeah. was sexist, Mike. No, not really. It's um, just honest. Because well, and, and we're all about burying our souls here at Kid Hour Classics. Well, especially this episode. Get to know Mike and Steve. <laughs> yeah, <get to> know. <laughs> a trip down memory lane. Now you get to look in, in deep inside the soul of Mike and Steven. Is a lesbian dying to break out yes! and do Ingrid Pitt <laughs> circa 1970. Oh, dude. Oh, I've got butterflies in my stomach just thinking about it. I got butterflies in my ball sack. Oh, good one. <laughs> this is why we're seedy, Stephen. Oh, damn it, we this went there. This is why again. we're seedy. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, this also starred Ralph Bates <laughs> as a Giles, who was an instructor at the girls' school. Let me he, now. Now, Giles Barton, or sorry, uh, Ralph Bates, is, is another Hammer. Um, you know, he, he's a, is a familiar face. Not, yeah. I guess not only with Dr. Hammer Jekyll movies. and Sister Hyde. Yeah, uh, I've seen him in a lot of just British films. You know, and yeah, doesn't he's, he's he look like one. a, what's that? Yeah, he's another one. Um, I think is worked well into the 2000s. I don't know if he's dead now or not. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't but, he, in this movie, doesn't he kind of look like Ozzy Osbourne from the 70s? Well, I, yeah, or like early Osbournes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He does kind of got that Aussie thing going on. Well, and it's, it's funny like, because... I was talking about uh, Sharon. Yeah, well, yeah. This is because uh, Ralph Bates really could deliver his lines much better than Aussie could now. Well, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe he's dead and he's, you know, yelping from his coffin. <laughs> exactly. Sharon. <laughs> but uh, me all this fucking box. <laughs> I've been clawing my way out for... Uh, you know what? I'm not going to... Every time I, I I pull out my British accent, I get I get in trouble. Yeah, no, there, there's vaginas drying up all over <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes another one. I heard it. Oh, is yeah. that the sound of a vagina makes when it dries up? Because <laughs> yes, we'll have to ask uh, Stacy and <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Allison. Maybe they'll record it for us. Yeah. We'll we'll send them over like a a bit of audio while we just be talking, the, the... and then all of a sudden we'll we'll change over to a British accent. So, so the vaginas of the world can dry up. <laughs> all right. Oh. So, all right, yeah, that's maybe that's what we'll do next episode. Have a contest. Uh, record your vagina drying up. <laughs> Send us the audio. 
We'll give a little countdown and we'll go into like our old Monty Python routine. Ugh. <laughs> joint is not dry. Spam. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not dead. Oh, what? what? It's hey, just pining. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So basically, this the, vagina is useless to me. I've actually said that line. Really? <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Well, wow, and you live to tell the tale. I'm surprised I that was your like, schlong was vagina wasn't is useless to me. <laughs> now, I'm sure she loves me telling that, but that was actually that I actually said that in during the course of intercourse. Uh, wow! Like during it? Wow! Well, yeah. we we're I was like trying to get her warmed up, and she was like drunk off her ass, <laughs> and it was it, like couldn't get it moist enough. Oh, what? Yeah, I'm, I'm you're like, lucky. I am working my ass off down here, but this vagina is useless to me, dude. She's gonna get so many emails and tweets <laughs> and like Facebook, dude. By the way, so I hear that uh, I hear, and I know what happens when you get drunk. I know what happens down in the nether regions, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah, this yeah. is not now. It's become get to know Mike, Stephen, and, <laughs> and Lisa. Lisa. Yeah, which I'm well, sure she well, Lisa's vagina. She loves Lisa's vagina. Yeah. <laughs> You really don't get to know the whole person by knowing Lisa's vagina. Well, I was going to say something extra sexist, but I won't. No, please do. No. Might as well while we're on this fucking tangent. Are, are you? Oh, no, no. We still have one more to go. This is the triple tangent episode. Oh, okay. No, I'm just teasing. Anyway, okay, so here's now now here's here's the biggest what the fuck were we talking about? I don't know, dude. I'm I'm getting back on the on the road here. All right. Here's here is the biggest. A fence, I guess. I took offense to this. That this film, this film has now. Like we said, you know. Listen, I did not hate this film. I mean, but you could, after watching Vampire Lovers, the in my mind, the possibilities were endless. And it's set in a in a gorgeous Austrian, you know, uh, girl school. Yes. with, With gorgeous instructors. Well, instructor. And oh, gorgeous yeah. students. Uh, oh God, what was her name? It was. Let's see. Was uh was it Susanna Lee? As Susanna Janet Lee. She, yeah, she was also in uh the awesome movie The Killer Bees. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that Mystery Science Theater episode? I don't know. I don't think I didn't see the Mystery Science Theater, but yeah, it's amazing. Well, well, and she's she's pretty amazing looking herself. Well, oh, she okay. is absolutely beautiful. So here, so here's the offense. You have this perfect setup. For just a freaking classic film, you know, to make to make my belly get all butterfly-y again. Yeah. And it just misses the mark with it. You know, it's still, I mean, it still was, the, this was the one, too, where the, there was the lovemaking scene with a song called Strange Love. Is oh that right? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, that was, that was awful. But uh, the and song itself. And you get it not only once, but twice. Yeah. It, it's like, oh, come on. On you just ruined my whole boner, but yeah, but but the music towards the end actually got really good. I was really like the uh, the whole Gregorian kind of chant thing oh, sure. that they had going on towards in the final confrontation. That was really good. Uh-huh. And th- but but here's the thing with this movie that really got me. This really got under my skin. You got this Roger Daltrey circa 1974 lookalike Lestrange. You know, yep, yeah, Lestrange as our he- quote unquote hero. Mm-hmm. Worst fucking hero in a movie ever. <laughs> he like cons his way into being a teacher oh, at yeah. an all girls school. 
He sends. He sends. He's drunk teacher. half the fucking time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he's all for letting the fucking vampire get away with shit because well, he's getting some. Uh, exactly. And it's like seriously, this is. I mean, where's the hero in he's, this fucking yeah, movie? Yeah, he's not really a good guy, and that he was really the only guy set up to to play that hero. But he just yeah, dropped you, the ball. Yeah, really. He, I don't, I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know whether he didn't read the hero rule book, but he he broke all the fucking rules. He, t- he was a bit of he was a bit of a scoundrel for somebody that was set up to be the sophisticated, you know, guy that comes in that doesn't believe in in vampires or what have you. He was a skeptic and he was, you know, the literary minded one who was also a, you know, an author. Yeah. So yeah, you think this is going to be your fucking hero? Sure. He's just a fucking lecherous, like, well, in in his defense, he wasn't thinking with his head on top of his shoulders. And I can't say that I blame him. He had, he had a problem. His biggest problem was that he is torn between Mercala and the hot, well, she, she must have been some kind of a PE teacher, you know, because, uh, yeah, know, teaching the, Greco-Roman the... dance. <laughs> exactly. Which those dresses were fucking amazing. I wish Dude. every girl's school had those uniforms. Dude. Okay. Cut all the way up to the fucking hip on both sides oh. and then cut like halfway down to the belly. <laughs> I mean, I'm I... no costume designer, but I'm just, th- you know, I know <laughs> that was, I like. they hit the nail on the head with that one. Absolutely. I was all for that. So, okay, so I actually did some research about this film. Oh, and did you? Actually, the, the, um, the, this was an actual, uh, the school, I can't remember the name of it, and I did all this research and I didn't even write down the name of the school, uh, but it actually really existed. And, oh, really? Yeah, and uh, it's, it's really interesting, uh, first of all, because they decided to use a, uh, you know, a real school. Of course, where they filmed it, that wasn't the school or anything like that. Uh, but I actually found one of the entry um, surveys, uh, online. And, uh, here, here are the questions that you had to answer, um, to get into the school. Number one, are you hot? (laughs) Number two, do you like capes? (laughs) (laughs) Number three, do you like the way sheer linens look in the wind? Number four, do you like giving alluring glances? (laughs) Number five, do you have great cleavage? And, and last but not least, do you like to frolic? And <laughs> Frolicking so, is very important to the curriculum. If you answered yes to one or more of those questions, you will be invited to attend. So, yeah. No, uh, you worked these... your ass off on that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, all the research. All the no, re- I, I appreciate you going above and beyond because... Frolicking. Well, I, I noticed. I, I mean, I'm a big frolicking fan myself. I, sure. I tend to frolic quite a bit. I don't know if I'd like to see you in sheer linens blowing in the wind, though. <laughs> Probably not. You know, your cleavage. I hate to say it, but you need a shave down there. You need, you need to do a little manscaping to make your cleavage great. It's good. Are, are, are you but kidding? Not great. My, my my chest is like totally bare because, as my wife says, grass doesn't grow on the playground. <laughs> Well, dude, you're t- uh, that's like calling the, the the pot calling the kettle black because yeah, I am a beast from from shoulders to my feet. Except for I, I have hair everywhere except for on the top of my head. How about that? Isn't nature hilarious? Yeah, she's a harsh, harsh mistress. 
yeah. I did notice, too, uh, in Lis- with Lestrange, that he had a few moments of uh, what I like to call boner overstimulation. He would he would basically look at all the chicks, and then his it looked like his brain would shut down for a moment, and he would just space out for a minute, like oh, it yeah, was yeah. overheating and cooling down. Oh, yeah, you could actually see the blood running out of his face. <laughs> yes. Well, it's... It's, I don't know, in, like I said, it's hard, I cannot really come up, the story was good, I guess, I mean, it was cool that we had Giles, who was um, this, there just to, you know, be in a, study the occult, you know, in his off time, as they lived in the, as, as they lived in the teacher's quarters, which was just like a real shitty, um, you know, guest house or something like that, which he actually shared with Lestrange, which would be, which would be shitty, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to share a, a, an abode with Ozzy, you know, especially back in his wild days. No, but, I, I, it might be fun. I don't know. Uh, but really, this this one didn't do a lot for me, uh, especially after watching The Vampire Lovers. No, by comparison to the other two, it, it, it definitely was the weakest. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of redundancies as far as, like, yeah, we show a flashback or we'd get like fucking like he goes to the castle and we get like a complete replay of the conversation we just heard. Right. And then the next scene, like three of the girls from the school, he, he kind of gets freaked out while he's in the castle. The strange does. Oh yeah. yeah he gets yeah. kind of freaked out while he's in the castle. He thinks he's being attacked by vampires and it turns That's... out it's just some girls like walking around the castle. Well, and I thought it was strange but, because but like we... two seconds before he was talking about how he doesn't believe that. And so he goes up to the castle, and there's a girl wearing a cape, and all of a sudden that's the only thing that crosses his mind, seemingly. It's like, oh, well, there's three vampires going to kill me. It's well, like, I, don't, I, I don't believe in vampires either, but if I go to a gothic castle, and all of a sudden, like, <laughs> bitches in cloaks start showing oh, up. Oh, no, and... no way. You, the three, I don't know. I, I just, I mean, I, I was like, I had to laugh at that part, because it's like, oh. Well, he even laughed at himself, because well, we Well, after. We, yeah, because afterwards... We get an entire scene of him relating the previous scene to us, and, yeah, and it's not really true. cut yeah, that you're right. much. You're right. So, and we, and then we, like, we get a sec, we get the sex scene, and then we get the flashback to the sex scene, and it's like, <laughs> you know, seriously, strange we can cut. Love, strange love, <laughs> it's stranger than the love we had with the, the girls. Oh, sorry, I thought we were just singing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought we were just singing songs. Yeah, why not? <laughs> But no, you can probably cut 10 minutes out of this movie. Uh, not much really happens until the last, like, 10 minutes. Well, and the funny thing is, also, is that the in true Hammer style, the climax happens, and then the movie ends. It's like climax uh, credits roll. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, but but you, do, you do get the great scene where um, Pippa Steele is giving a back rub to... Uh, you Starsguard or Starsguard? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's her, right. And, that was her. And her that. top just like fl- falls just, down. Just falls down. Yeah. And it's like, really? Okay. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. No. Why would you? They're just they're just mammary glands, Stephen. Yeah, really. I don't. Jeez. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Boobs are fucking wonderful. <laughs> they are the greatest invention ever. I don't know who invented them. God, whatever. They're awesome. <laughs> do, do, do you know what's funny? Speaking of boobs, and this is a tangent number one. 
I had a buddy who admitted to me one time that the first movie he ever saw boobs in was Total Recall. And he always assumed that girls only had two boobs, but that movie kind of threw him into this, like, whirlwind of confusion. <laughs> so, so it, you know, it, it, he, he saw it with his friends and his older and his friends' older brothers and whatnot. So, I mean, it, it got cleared up pretty quick after, but they still make fun of him to this day for that. But, uh, listen, I, I think three's just more the merrier. What are you going to do? All right, well... Um... Since we're since we're share since tonight is the sharing night. Yes. Okay. When I was young, all right, I'm probably like six, five, six, seven, somewhere around in there. Uh huh. I I saw boobs somewhere, probably probably at a drive-in because my parent we'd like go see the family movie and then I was supposed to like sleep through right. whatever the adult feature was. So I saw boobs, but nothing below the waist. All right. Okay, so I just assumed that uh, women had penises too. <laughs> you know, that might, that might be might be why I have this like uh, transsexual fetish be- because I just as, uh, I just you know that's all I saw was you know women have boobs, men don't, and I'd never seen a vagina before because I was like you know six seven years old. Dude, uh, so I just know. assumed. Well, I, I just assume women have boobs. Men don't, but all of us have penises. <laughs> you know, I can't. So, so for, so for the longest, longest, until I was probably like, um, for like this four year period until like I saw uh, Don't Go in the House, I think was the name of the movie, where there's actually a woman. And I was like, where's her penis? <laughs> and you're too young to know what how, how the plumbing works and how the mechanics of it all works. Yeah, so like, and, and I'm too embarrassed to ask. Sure. So, you know, it's like, so, so I just assumed for like a four, between the ages of six and 10, that all women had penises. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. <laughs> so maybe that's why I have a boot <laughs> now is because yeah, that was the only difference I knew about for a good portion of my life at the time. Oh my gosh, that is awesome, dude! That because is I, awesome. I used to have wet dreams where it would be like all these transsexuals walking around. <laughs> oh, that! Oh my gosh, that is awesome! <laughs> that is awesome! Oh, I'm sorry, dude. That is that is freaking great. Oh, well, you know, I mean. You're a uh, kid. You don't know what to think about no, the it, world it's, around yeah, you. I mean, I mean, poor kid. You don't know what to think. You exactly. Oh, that is so funny. That's way funnier than getting a ball bit off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway. Oh, wow, that, oh, that is awesome. <laughs> oh, the oh. horror. We ready to move on to the next movie? Today. Yes. Now let's get. This is the, the the final one in the in the Karnstein trilogy, and thankfully, uh, they kicked it into gear and uh, they they came Strange out. With, love. <laughs> yeah, we didn't hear that song once in this movie. No, you got like an Ennio Morricone ripoff soundtrack. Oh, it, it was. Come on, he ripped the. They ripped it off. They did a good job ripping it off. So I say, good. Let oh it go. yeah, That's fucking awesome. loved it. Uh, let's and see. you've got uh, Peter Cushing all the way through. Oh, dude. 
and Peter Cushing was excellent in this. The oh, he was amazing. Favorite line of it all, he said, oh, the aristocracy is decadent. Or, or or something to that effect, and all, I just, I just like you know, that is the crotchetiest thing that I've ever heard him say. Kudos, <laughs> kudos to you. This film is called Twins of Evil. Um, let's see, it was it said, and it said it's 1971. I don't think it came uh, to 19 uh, to the U.S. till 1972. Uh, it seems like they were one right after the other, man. Yeah, absolutely. They were cranking these out. Um... It was, a, it was a busy time for Hammer, and yeah. you know, essentially, I don't know. It's it's the Hammer purists tend to look down on this period, really, be, because yeah, they were going for the CD side of things, you know, going well, with the lesbians and the nudity alley. and stuff. Me, yeah, I'm all about it. I mean, I love you know the original. Uh, you know, Cushing and Lee fucking doing Dracula and you know, the oh, yeah. late fifties, early sixties. But you know, you throw the fucking you know, tits hanging out into yeah. the mix and some gothic castles and shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're talking a fucking party. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh this one was directed by John Huff, who uh directed films like uh Watcher in the Woods and uh he did do I think I think Wasn't that a made for T V movie? I you know I don't I don't know if it was made for TV or not but it scared the living shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, as a, as a kid I remember seeing it and I think there was a when when there a book too. I don't know. It, based all, on a book. all I know is this shit shows up on the Disney Channel, and you know <laughs> it's like I said, what? I can't sleep for a freaking month. Asshole Disney. Yeah. Uh, he also directed Escape to Witch Mountain, which is another Disney, I believe. Yeah, another but Disney classic. But uh, didn't Amicus do, uh, wasn't that a Legend of Hell House an Amicus film? I can't remember if that was Amicus or Hammer, but he also directed that. And that one was with Roddy McDowell. Oh, yeah, it was a fucking brilliant movie. Yeah, uh, good movie. Uh, it was Like I said, uh, this was also written by Tudor Gates. She did the screen, or he or she did the screenplay. Um, now, let's talk about this movie star stars uh we have uh P- peter cushing this time as gustav weil but uh really the stars of this movie were mary and madeline collinson yeah uh, absolutely two twins the first ever uh twin playmates right, uh, october playmate 1970 month, october 1970 <laughs> absolutely right <laughs> dude I'll, I'll be honest with you this i mean and this is the second and i time actually I've seen... owned that issue at one time well, let's just say that you can still find yep. some of the images online. Because I became totally infatuated with these. After that, we did it. I think it was a really early on Hamacus episode. And I'd never even heard of this movie. It was like Hamacus 3 or 4 or something like that. And I watched it and I was like, where has this movie been my whole life? <laughs> and I, I, I went on a little obsession with uh, Madeline and Mary Collinson. And, uh, yeah, I, I think they deserve every ounce of my obsession. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine why, because they are absolutely gorgeous. Well, and and there's, Oh, we should, I won't, I, I never look at nudie pictures. Come on. But I'll tell you what, they're spread in that 1970 October. Wow. Oh yeah. Oh, unreal. But anyway, we, I digress. Let's see. You know, in the last movie, we didn't even mention that Count Karnstein was uh, a character 
In the first two movies, I, I count Karnstein just kind of played this guy who was an observer, like a dark Dracula, Christopher Lee Dracula-esque um, uh, guy running around on a horse or something. Yeah, basically you know? they would cut to him after every kill. He and he laugh. was just sitting back watching going, oh, good for you, Carmilla. Yeah. Well, yeah. this movie, uh, Carmilla takes a back seat a little bit and – uh, Count Karnstein comes to the fort. He was played by Damien Thomas. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, this this movie to me came out of nowhere. This one, I, what, what do you think? What one, uh, if, if uh, now that we're to the third one, how would you rate these in, in quality from one to three? In quality? Well, or in, in how much you like them. How's that? You take Ingrid Pitt out of the equation. This is my favorite. Oh, yeah. Uh, you put her back into it, then Vampire Lovers becomes my favorite. And and speaking of, uh, we need to get back to this this last movie for a second. Okay. I think. Let me see if I can find if you remember the fucking dude's name. Something Raven. Oh yeah yeah yeah. It was. Uh, let's see. It's right here. Let's see. Mike Raven, Count Karnstein. Yeah, it was, well, what's funny about him? He used to be a DJ. He was a DJ prior to getting into acting. Yeah, all well. right. So, so supposedly he had a great voice. Hammer <laughs> they actually dubbed the oh, shit out of him. They dubbed the shit out of his voice, <laughs> and it didn't even and, look like that voice could come out of this man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he kind of had that Christopher Lee look to him, mm-hmm. but when they did like the close-ups, like the extreme close-ups of the bloodshot eyes that we see in all the fucking Dracula movies from yep. Hammer, they actually cut in Christopher Lee's eyes from uh, Scars of Dracula. Oh no way! And so pretty much this fucking completely pissed this Raven dude off, and oh, really? he was like, "Well, fuck acting. This is bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> really. So I think it was, uh, I thought that was kind of funny that, you know, he got into acting because he thought he had a great voice and the Christopher Lee look and they overdubbed his voice and, uh, they cut out his eyes, cut out his eyes and put in Christopher (laughs) Lee's. So, so he didn't do much afterwards. So, well, plus his role was just like kind of right around in the background. Yeah. He really didn't do much. Well, yeah. Aside from the initial opening. Yeah, bringing Carmilla back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Which, which actually, the incantation that he spoke at the beginning was something he pulled from like actual, like you know, combined some. He actually ad libbed that based on some magic books he'd read. Oh really? Yeah, more oh, fucking cool. useless trivia for you. Well, I'll tell you what. This one kind of went in a more occult slash Satanism. Uh, in a way, the Twins of Evil did that. I mean, it's funny because, uh, well, I'll give you a quick overview of what kind of what's going on. Uh, Maria and Frida are two teenage girls. I guess they lived in Venice, and their parents passed away, so they come to live in uh, you know in the shadow of Castle Karnstein to live with their uncle Gustav and his wife. Now, Uncle Gustav is played by Peter Cushing, but just to give you an idea, he is a Puritan of the to the nth degree. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy is black, there's black and there's white, and that's it, you know. 
And, uh, you know, it's funny because the first time that you even see him on screen, there are the twins in their green, you know, gorgeous dresses. And he's, he said something to the effect of, what are you, of uh, exotic bird or something, you know, <laughs> something like that. And it was pretty funny. Um, well, okay, so at the same time, there is a uh, Count Karnstein who is uh, – oh, oh, I forgot to mention that Uncle Gustav is into abducting uh, abducting hot chicks at night, you know, for just just random ones from the from the village and burning them for witchcraft and Satanism. Yeah, so, because well, yeah, somebody's yeah. got to do it. Well, sure. I mean, why not him? He fit the bill. But uh, anyways, uh, in essence, th- we have the kind of the polar opposite character of uh, Count Karnstein, who lives in the castle, who is uh, our first. Uh, it's funny because while. Uncle Gustav was out on one of his witch hunts. He goes to what was her name? She had the greatest, crappiest, like name, Goethe. You know, doesn't doesn't that sound like something you'd call a cow or something? Goethe. Goethe. Yeah, not a, like not that. a great name, no. but played by Luann Peters with oh, a forty-two and, inch bust. Oh, dude. No, sorry. I did, I did not mean to imply that that <laughs> uh, the name that she was a cow because she was very you know not ugly wow. herself. She was a beauty. Well, so too bad she didn't have a bigger role in this. Well, and plus her role was just so she she was just so embarrassed the whole time. She was playing a peasant, and yes, and Karnstein Count Karnstein was using him for his lascivious pleasure, you know. But it's funny because when Uncle Gustav was out on one of these little witch hunt type things, he shows up at Gerda's house. At where Gustav, or uh, sorry, Karnstein's laying the wood to her, and this was a hilarious, you know, uh, confrontation between, uh, you know, the polar opposites there, and you know, there, Karnstein is, you know, saying, "Oh, I have the emperor behind me," and and uh, it's just they're they're just trying to talk shit, but it was like it was like the the classiest shit talking, you know. Now <laughs> now you have like rap battles. It was kind of like a rap battle from like the. The old days, yeah, the 17th century rap battle, <laughs> and and then there, then that after that, my favorite line came out of it. Uh, yeah, the 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 what I said about the uh, the the I can't remember the aristocracy is become uh, decadent. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we it's funny because Count Carter and this added a whole kind of a new twist to the to the movie he goes back to his his castle and he, you know basically what he does there for fun is have like satanic rituals that i i get the feeling that they were mostly there just for you know his entertainment and, and you know nothing really ever came to it he kind of had a what what who kind of acted like his manager you know who set up all the the satanic things and uh, the satanic rituals that you know apparently they just you know they got peasant ladies and and uh, naked peasant ladies and just basically uh, you know pretended to do satanic rituals on them. Uh, it's funny too because it, it kind of takes a dark twist where um, Count Karnstein just starts to uh, kind of pull a like a Frank from Hellraiser where he she's talking about how there's no pleasure left for him to explore. He needs to look for pleasures from beyond the grave, you mm-hmm. know, and it, so it's like, you know, you add a puzzle box there and, and there you go. But anyway, one, one of these times where there's a girl on the altar, he actually stabs her in the chest and, uh, 
the blood comes down, and his uh, great aunt or some or something like that, Carmila, uh, actually is resurrected long enough to show up. Uh, they have sex, and she gives a candle a handjob. Yeah, the, yeah. If there's a, you want to talk about deep symbolism. Um, yeah, she's stroking a candle while they're getting it on. Uh, I don't know. This this movie is had a lot of. I don't know whether it was intentional it humor, exploitive, exploitative. Yeah, it, it definitely was borderline exploitation. Uh, it, and there there's a lot of what I I found to be dark humor. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it was intentional or not, or whether sure. at the time they thought they were doing something. Uh, right. You know, maybe a little, uh, God, what's the word? <laughs> uh, serious and over the line or something. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit scandalous, but right. it, it just comes off as being kind of, kind of funny nowadays. <laughs> like the but, candle hand job. Yeah. The candle hand job was, was very fucking funny to me. Oh yeah. But for sure. But you know, maybe at maybe at the time for a mainstream movie that would have been a little bit scandalous, you know. But the, you get the point. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Um, the candle's a dick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but a lot but a lot of this movie was heavy handed in that way. Oh yeah. Even even the uh, you know the confrontations between the very pious uh, Gustav. And the very decadent Karnstein. Uh-huh. Um, the you have oh, the choir oh. director who is very much uh, the voice of reason throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, pointing out that yeah, Karnstein, the vampires may be killing people, but yeah, guess what? You know, you and your self righteousness have killed just as many <coughs> you know innocent right. people. So you know, you're just as bad as the <coughs> Karnsteins. It's all it's it's t- can. It, comes across as very heavy handed. Well, and then there, then that's not even mentioning the fact that you have the two twin sisters, one of which is, has decided that she's going to, you know, even though Gustav is, 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 you know, kind of an authoritarian and, and, and you know, very strict and, and what he expects from these girls, you know, she does, she may not agree totally with them, but she's kind of made it clear that she's going to keep the rules. And then you have Frida, who's just kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm going to go up and I'm going to go Meet Count Karnstein. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm going to go bite Gerda's boob after after Karnstein turns me into a vampire. <laughs> yeah. She said that. That's actually a line. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's from the script. <laughs> well, anyway, so, I mean, and that's the crux of the story. We have, you know, good versus evil. It, you know, what's funny is because even though Anton, who is the choir, the, 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 the choir leader that you brought up, um, even though he... You know, he brought up the fact that, you know, what what is this? Is it better that that you're killing people in the name of God as opposed to, you know, what Karnstein's doing there towards the end? You know, that that, that whole kind of uh, thought and whatever just kind of went out the window. It's mm. almost like, yeah, well, I don't really care anymore that that uh, uh, Gustav has been doing these things because vampires are real. And, you know, we've got to do what it takes to, you know, to get out of the shit that, that they got themselves in and dicking around with that stuff. So, yeah, um, I don't I don't know that was hypocritical on the part on his part, because no, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying to, I thought that was going to be a big a big theme. 
But mm-hmm. no, it, it's almost like they brought it up and then they just kind of dropped it. Yeah, know, I see so. what, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, this movie had some, especially at the end. First off, you got some pretty nice gore for 1971. You get like a fucking cleaver to the head. Yep. A couple beheadings. But the, the most racist fucking thing ever. It's like Karnstein and... All right, all the villagers are you know, this group, this vigilante group that's been hunting down witches is now hunting down vampires. Right. And so they're going after Karnstein and Frida. And what does uh, Karnstein do? Hey, you, the black guy, you stay here and fight off all these fucking Puritans the, while I fucking. <laughs> the only black guy in all three of these movies. And he kicks a little ass. Dude, you know what's funny is when we talked about this in Hammer, uh, we called them Flexipex. Be, because because in the very first uh, confrontation between uh, Gustav and Count Karnstein, you know, Gustav oh, yeah. was walking up to him, and, he, and the dude walks in between him and just starts flexing his, his pecs. He's just like, whoa, that's impressive. Yeah, like being black wasn't intimidating enough in 1785. <laughs> well... Yeah, especially. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he was. He did his. He did a good job, man. Uh, yeah. I think he was uh, kind of hoping that Karnstein would turn him eventually, but you know, and start. Yeah, uh, and then he another... could be Blackula. Yeah, exactly. A whole yeah, other so series. yeah, a whole new franchise going. Uh, but and then of course, Karnstein was such like the smarmy fucking asshole. Oh yeah, he he's a douche. I mean, you love it. Oh yeah, because I mean he, he's he's like one of those guys you fucking love to hate. Oh yeah, and he fucking and then he's like you know they're getting they sneak out the back way as like hey Frida you going out here I'll keep you know, going out in the open and uh, I'll stand guard here next yeah. to the door that I can bolt behind me if, if anybody's waiting to fucking kill you <laughs> right. And she's just like, okay. You know, it's like, really? You're beautiful, but you're dumb. Right. But, uh, um, and of course, the big thing here, Peter Cushing's performance is so fucking amazing. Well, because it, 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 it's he, like, usually in every movie that Peter Cushing's in, I, I just love, I love him as a character, you know. But he did such a great job in this to just make me loathe him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He is a you know very pious, very righteous person doing the wrong things for the I guess what he believes to be the right reasons. Sure, he is. Uh, he, he's just one of those uh, again another character that you fucking love to hate. Well, and he's so and he's like so, he's so stuck funny. on his principles, he will not give an inch. You know, the the whole time, the only time he actually shows, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's hypocrisy or maybe he loosens them, is basically what's been, what happens is typically when he'd find a, a, a woman that he, you know, uh, accuses of witchcraft, he throws them right on the fire. You know, the mm-hmm. the only problem is, is when Frida turns into a vampire and they catch her, you know, he puts her in jail for a little while, which I don't know if that was meant. Oh to yeah. Be, and he even he, says, let's, let's hold off until morning. And the rest yeah. of the council is like, no burner. Now I'll be honest with you though. I think that's more of a plot device uh, that kind of hurt his character a little bit, but I, you know, it had to happen for the, you know, for the, 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 the final scene to, to uh, play out like it did. Yeah. But, but you, Again, you can't fault Peter Cushing for that. And at this point, his wife had died. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, his wife is dead at this point. He, I mean, he was on the verge of suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, And he decided, 
Well, he was convinced really to throw himself, you know, to throw himself back into his work. Well, I'll tell you what, he did a f- and, fantastic job. And he just, yeah, he kept, he's, he's absolutely captivating in every scene he's in. Uh, amazing fucking performance. And it's one that elevates this from being, you know, a cheap uh, TNA exploitation fucking mm-hmm. movie to being, you know, it's just fucking marvel to watch. Well, and I, and I will say this about uh, th- this movie is, you know, typically we've had one or two characters. Well, I guess in Vampire Lovers, the the main character, you know, you know, because of Peter Cushing's absence throughout most of the film, you know, Ingrid Pitt was was someone who really, you know, made that movie. I think that this was a little uh, more well rounded in that. I mean, both the twins played were awesome. Uh, Karnstein was awesome and, uh, you know, so was, uh, Peter Cushing, you know? And so it's, uh, I, it's difficult for me to choose a favorite, but I'll tell you right now that, uh, I think I would watch this again first. Yeah. I think Even though the, I it's think hard, it's hard much... to pass up freaking Ingrid Pitt though, man. Yeah. Well, I think this movie is, um, it's much faster paced than the others. Yep. Uh, definitely faster paced than the second one. Mm-hmm. And you, you do have, you know, if you don't have Peter Cushing in a scene, you've got the twins or you've yep. got uh, Karnstein. It is, it is just arrogant greasiness. Yeah. Uh, you love it. Oh, yeah. It, it's, you know, so there's there's something there constantly. Yep. Plus, uh, you know, even though you don't get a whole lot of action until the very end, uh, these performances were fucking captivating, and I'm Absolutely. surprised. I'm really surprised that the twins didn't do, um, you know, more mainstream work than they did. Well, and it's a bummer because uh, they because they, they are talented actresses. They did it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It's like you know, it, there was not one at one point there wasn't. Uh, you know, sometimes when they'll have you know like. For, for instance, I mean, just in this case, they were twins. Oh, you know, maybe they don't act as well, but they were looking for twins type of deal. I didn't have any kind of thoughts like that. You no, know, absolutely. It's, they it's they like, were very they talented. They did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there you go. Uh, I I freaking loved this movie as well. You know, this is uh, this is definitely and for I guess for a while there it was hard to find, um, which I which I find just unreal that a movie like this could go, you know, now you can stream it on Netflix and whatnot, but I, if I'm not wrong, it, it took a while for it to come to DVD, but ever, I would, I would say go definitely check this one. I think this is on Netflix streaming and I think the vampire lovers is on, I know that one's on Netflix streaming for sure. I think they're both on So Check it out while, you know, before you, before you guys um, cry and then quit Netflix. Cause it, it, it uh, costs you an extra two bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but whatever. I didn't mean to be a dick there. It just happened. People are getting to know me now. They know I'm a dick. Yeah. Now that we now that we've done so much sharing this episode, that's that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Well, I don't know, man. These were even these were a pleasure to watch, and I will say that even even um, the lust for a vampire. It's like for every once in a while. Hey, did you ever see the uh, girl slaves of Morgana Le Fay? Absolutely. That you're just inundated with so so many beautiful women that, you know, it, it, so it kind of has that, you know, just, I just want to soak it all in. That's kind of, there are even points in that that I, even in that Lust for Vampire that I, it was just like, wow, 
Well, I'm the only difference, though, in this, this, uh, Morgan Le Fay movie is most of them are naked. Well, dude. Which I, always helps. We talked about, I can't, we we did Morgan Le Fay in an old episode, and I can't remember what it was. But ever, ever after, that changed my life a little. Man, oh, really, movie. I'll have to get you the erotic adventures of the Three Musketeers and <laughs> all that shit. Man, I'll tell you the, what. The is whole, there a lot of, is there like a lot of sword double entendres? Uh, probably. <laughs> I'll bet you there are. I don't know. I, I can watch it with the volume down. <laughs> yeah, get on something weird and fucking just buy whatever has Harry Novak's name on it. Nice, dude. <clears throat> I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what. That was, I don't know. These, like I said, I, I suggest, especially now they're on Netflix, and you at least get the first two. Or, sorry, the, 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 the bookends. The yeah, but, the first uh, and the third. Yeah. You know, but I, I, I think Lust for Vampires worth watching. It's you know, it just pales in comparison. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if if you're a fan of Hammer, it's it's more along the lines as far as pacing goes. It's more yep. along the lines of traditional Hammer. Yep. But uh, the, these other two, yeah, it was it was a different sensibility in the early '70s, and uh, the pacing is completely different from uh, what you saw in the '60s from Hammer. And he said, a lot more boobs. <laughs> and they were all pretty quality, all yeah, high quality. Absolutely. You you absolutely, anything with Ingrid Pitt in it, just uh-huh. fucking watch it. It's unreal. Anyway, sorry to get all like, I probably I probably made so many people creeped out. I don't care. That's what I do. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but, but there, there are so few women in the world that have that quality. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm sorry, she's one of them. And oh, yeah. if you don't like it, fuck you. Oh, if you don't like that, we respect your, we respect your. No, you're fucking wrong. But we kind of, yeah, we. Yeah, but we, behind, but right after we stop uh, recording. No, I, I'm I just no, I don't. I'm not fucking waiting. Fuck you, Listen, Ingrid Pitt. I, fucking rocks. I am passive aggressive. Okay? I am. I'm just teasing. I'm. I'm just a dick. That is true, and uh, of course, uh, that that line was said many times in the erotic adventures of the Three Musketeers. <laughs> anyway, all right, man. So uh, I enjoyed the shit out of these movies. So you know, is there anything you have to add? Anything that uh, you feel like needs to be said that hasn't been said? Uh, at this point, I think I've said probably more than I should have. Well, let's see. Let's check the time on this one. Two hours and six minutes. <sighs> that's that's exactly where I am, dude. Well, you know what? Most of that was sharing. Yeah, but, and uh, I think it's important for our audience to get to know us. <laughs> well, well, especially as you come out all brash on the last JFMP, now they get to see the softer side of Steven. Yeah, well, I'll fix that fucking Saturday. <laughs> yeah, sweet action. That's awesome, man. Well, cool. Hey, appreciate you coming on, man. Always a pleasure, my friend. Just